1: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
3: Ever heard a sports talk show like this before?
1: Didn't think so. What's going on there today? It's DA on CBS Sports Radio.
4: DA, how you feeling, brother? Man.
1: I'm doing great. Happy Tuesday, boys and girls. One question, one question only. How do you feel? I feel good and I'm
4: doing well. Well,
1: that's all that really matters. And we appreciate you being with us. Coming up in 20 minutes, the final installment of Fatherhood at the Movies. What was my number one most watched film in the middle of the night? Nursing, burping, and changing diapers for the first two weeks of being a dad. We will tell you coming up here in 20 minutes. But first up, he is the host of MLB Now, weekdays at noon Eastern on MLB Network. MLB Network has the Twins and Braves, Astros and Cardinals coming up tomorrow. Joining us this morning on the show is the great BK Brian Kenny. Brian, good morning. Good morning, Damon. How are you? Doing great. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. I was just waxing poetic about how much I love watching Ellie De La Cruz and why he's so special, but as somebody who dates earlier than I do watching baseball and loving baseball, what makes him so unique for the average fan that maybe has not tuned into a Reds game yet?
3: Well, it's, it's amazing. Like it, Just when you hear this guy, like the, uh, the elevator pitch is tremendous, right? Like the 10-second pitch of it's a 6-5 switch hitting shortstop. He hits the ball the hardest in all of baseball, throws the ball the hardest in all of baseball, and he's the fastest guy in baseball. How's that for the elevator pitch?
1: It's amazing. And he has helped elevate the Reds. I mean, he's also performing when the spotlight is on him. It seems like when he was called up, it was big hit after big hit. In that big series over the weekend, he had the cycle. He seems to also thrive in the moment, doesn't he?
3: Well, you know, it's like the main thing that stands out, like once you get past the stat casty things, right, the things you can measure, his tools are outrageous. Like this is what, like, you know, would blow a scout's mind, right, be, before you had stat-cast. Now that you can measure it, he's off. He's literally at the top of the charts, off the charts. But he can play. Like I, I was watching him because I hadn't seen him, you know, Damon in, in the minors. I'd only heard about him, read about him. I see him in the majors. Like by the time I'm watching him in his second game, I go, Oh, he can play. Like he's hitting the ball to the other field, you know, to the opposite field. He, he knows when to advance. He challenges you on the base paths, but he's not reckless. He's not getting thrown out. He, he knows how to play the game. He's polished. He's like, you know, we have this tendency to think of the guys with the tools, that they'll be a little raw, kind of like the guy that you would naturally compare him to, O'Neal Cruz of the Pirates, who is 6'7", playing shortstop. He's got outrageous tools, but he's not polished. He's still, like, learning the game at the major league level. I- I'm watching L.A. De La Cruz. He's polished, and he's successful. By the way, he's hitting, like, 330. I know. He's got a good on base. He's slugging 600. Like, I- I'm doing an essay today on MLB Now. Actually, it's, it's, it's written. It's, it's ready to go. We're doing it today at noon Eastern. And what I'm saying at the top of the essay is his results are good. It's not like, oh, these tools, they translate into success. No, no, no. He's successful now. Like he's good now and then the tools are on top of it.
1: Yep, absolutely right. Brian Kenny joins us this morning from MLB Network. Another great story in baseball, the Baltimore Orioles. They had that wow season last year that surprised a lot of people, but now they're even better this year. What have they carried over from last season to this season?
3: I think they just they just get better. Uh they're just a little deeper that you know they've got more good young players coming in. I also, like, I, may, I admire them. They, they just make small deals. You know, we, we do get obsessed with the teams that win the winter, the teams that do the buying. And right now, like, I even said this to Mike Elias, their general manager, like, he really kind of, you know, stood pat in the offseason. And he kind of took a front to that, and he listed all these, like, minor deals he made. You know, no, 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 we got Adam Frazier, and we got them. I'm like, okay, that's not Trey Turner for $300 million. You know, You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. This, you, know, he make, you know, they made nice small deals. What they're doing is, no, 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 we, we don't have the money, we're drafting, we're developing, we're augmenting, and we're just going to be good. There's a lot to be said for just doing that. Develop your own players, keep them, play them, and just augment as you can. And yeah, they, they've been actually, I'm glad you brought them up because they've been under the radar. You know, the Rays got off to a fantastic start. The Yankees are always making a lot of noise. The Blue Jays are a very sexy team. So just like right there, right behind the Rays all year long, have been the Orioles.
1: A lot of O's fans have blamed ownership for not spending money and using the youth movement as an excuse not to spend the money. But in this case, as you said, the front office seems to be validated by whatever program or game plan they're working with. Yeah, I,
3: well, at this point, there comes a time, and look, I always bring up this uh, the example of just several years ago, probably I think we're talking seven, eight years ago at this point, but remember, the Royals and the Pirates were kind of coming up at the same time. Right. And they both took a long time to get there because, you know, they're not big spenders, but they were drafting and developing, and that was Andrew McCutcheon and the Pirates. And then it was, uh, you know, Eric Hosmer and Lorenzo Cain of the Royals, Alex Gordon, that whole group. So the Royals, when they got to that precipice, like suddenly everybody started playing well and they became uh, a team that could win 84, 85 games, ownership put its foot on the accelerator and remember, they got Ben Zobris, they got Johnny Cueto, they added a bunch of players that they thought they needed to go from a pennant winner to a World Series champion, and it worked. The Pirates, when they got to that point, and I think one year the Pirates won 97 games. They had, they had excellent. They were in a three-year run. They were excellent, but they never did the put on the finishing touches. So there will come a time where the Orioles are going to have to put on the finishing touches if they want to be a competitor in the playoffs. I don't think this team like rolls through the playoffs as currently constructed. And they're also going to have at a certain point, what are we doing with Adley Rutschman? Adley Rutschman is your franchise player and other clubs have, you know, locked up their franchise player. Like Julio Rodriguez, the Mariners locked him up. Wander Franco of the race, he's locked up. You you do eventually have to make an investment at least in your own guys.
1: Mm. Brian Kenny, MLB Network, joining us this morning here on the show. The Padres seem to be building a super team. We're halfway through the season. They're nine and a half back in the division, and they're four games under five hundred. What has happened to the Pods?
3: Yeah, they're puzzling. Uh, I did uh, on the show. I, I have a thing I call Malaise Watch, Damon. I think you'd like it. We use <laughs> as a, we use as a, a background that bad air that came into New York City from Canada. Like, oh we, yeah, no, remember that. And everything turned orange yeah. and it's really like oh and you just kinda had a headache and you're, you're 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 choking a little bit, you didn't feel so good. Just this overall malaise. And that's like that's the Mets, the Padres, and the Cardinals. Like to me it's fascinating. All three teams were good last year. The Cardinals even like won the central going away by I think by seven games. They haven't had a losing season in sixteen years. So their pedigree is solid, right? And then the other two they spent enormous amounts of money, the Mets and the Padres, and all three have a losing record. Like, to me, it's, it's the story of the season. Like, it's it, like, what is happening? And of the three, I did an essay on this yesterday, the Padres are in the best shape. The Padres should be fine. Tatis is hitting and fielding great in right field, by the way. Um Ha-Sung Kim is one of the top players in baseball. I don't know if you've seen a, a good look at him. I know he's not a big hitter, but he's the best defensive player in the league. He, base, his base running skills are outrageous. He's aggressive. He's competitive. Um, Juan Soto is hitting well. Their pitching is good. Their bullpen is even like ranked third in the league, even though they've had a lot of failure, a lot of you know, noisy sort of you know, blown save failure. They should be fine. But to this point, Damon, they're not. I mean, so something's not quite right. If you look at their engine, you would say, this, this team is fine. They're good. How come they're not winning? You got to get in the weeds and watch them game to
1: game. Is this finally the year we get to see Mike Trout and Shohei Ohtani in the postseason together?
3: I don't know. Um, They're kind of uh, they're treading water right now, and I think the problem is, I mean, they lost Zach Neto. Zach Neto is a a kind of a sort of a game changing player as well, kind of like Hassan Kim, right? Like not a superstar, not one of the top guys that you mentioned but he's their young shortstop that came up. He's hurt. He's on the IL now. He's still, got, I think a few weeks away. And if they don't get him, I mean, they just made a deal for Eduardo Escobar for Mike Moustakas. They're trying to hold up because Rendon is gone again. He's hurt. And Neto is hurt. So they're trying to hold on. And I think the problem is unlike the Padres and the Mets who are chasing the Brewers and the Marlins, um, in the American League, they got to chase down the Astros and the Blue Jays. I don't like those odds. I think the Blue Jays are powerful, and the Astros are a solid unit. I would have to vote no if you were, if I was a betting man, I'd say no right now.
1: Okay. Brian Kenny hosts MLB Now, which is the show for the thinking fan on MLB Network. It's weekdays at noon Eastern, and MLB Network has Twins and Braves and Astros and Cardinals tomorrow. A couple of teams that we talked about right there. So check it out. MLB Network, the best in the biz during baseball season. BK, always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks so much. All right, Damon, you take care. You too. Brian Kenny, joining us this morning here on the DA Show. Excellent stuff. And I think I'm going to be talking a lot about Ellie De La Cruz over the course of this summer. I got a feeling. I got a feeling. I just... I love watching him. I love watching his cut-in of the at-bats. I love watching his highlights. I love what he's done to the Reds. I love how he's energized that fan base. And to see packed houses in Cincinnati and near-packed houses in Baltimore, pretty cool. I I love seeing those ballparks with great baseball towns come alive. Dennis Rodman said that Larry Bird would be playing in Europe if he played today. And again, Rodman's in the category of he can't even really believe what he says. So I don't know how much Doc you put in it, but Dennis Robin did play against peak Larry Bird. It's not like a guy that plays now dismissing a previous generation. No, those guys couldn't play in our day and age. Because Rodman, as part of the bad boys, had to get through the Boston Celtics and lost to the Boston Celtics a number of times and then finally got through the Celtics. And so he saw Larry Bird. Now, Bird was not the most dynamic athlete. He wasn't necessarily explosive. He wasn't a ferocious dunker. But Larry Bird could shoot the lights out. Bird was the first true three-point marksman that used it as a weapon. Bird also was an elite passer. Bird was a cutthroat competitor. And Bird was a three-time league MVP. So, guys, do we think that Larry Bird would be playing in Europe if he played nowadays? No. And I hate, hate, hate in any sport when we
5: do this, when we say that person couldn't play today. If Larry Bird played in 2023, he still would have his God-given ability but be in NBA weight rooms with NBA shooting coaches. And I believe that Larry Bird was that special a talent that he would have adapted to today's NBA with all of the modern technology, medicine, whatever, and still been an all-time great. And I believe that to be the case for all-time greats in every
0: sport. Bogues? We said this yesterday about Antonio Brown. We don't need to hear from him anymore. We don't need to hear from Rodman. No. If you want to slightly reassess Bird in today's NBA, I get it. But in today's NBA, we shoot 45 threes a game. And there are guys whose job it is to just shoot threes. So, like, worst case scenario for Bird, he'd have a job shooting for somebody. But he was a tremendous passer. Smart. I mean, there's just, there's no walking back Larry Bird. It's just not. To me, he would have figured out a way to be good at any point of time where there was NBA basketball. Yeah, that's the
1: key here is that so much of his skill set actually translates better to today's day and age. I mean, back then, if he shot seven threes in the game, it was like, wow, Bird shot seven threes. That's an entire team. Now, as you said, if you let Larry Bird shoot 25 threes a game, 23s a game, and all he's doing is practicing the art of the three-pointer all day long, every day, and he's an elite passer, amazing court vision You can let him play forward and and just allow him to play around the perimeter and bring the ball up. Like, there's no reason why he would not be good in today's NBA. You want to say he's not as fast, bouncy, athletic in terms of getting to the the rim as other players today, average players today? Maybe, but the rest of his skill set, it's like, what? Being the best three-pointer in the game, <laughs> would well, it be of value in 2023? But again, he, in theory, then, would have grown up with his given
5: ability playing at that kind of way. So who's to say he wouldn't have been more athletic? Different kinds of training, different kinds of growth. Like, his whole life of playing basketball with yeah. that
1: skill set would have adapted to today's game. Yeah, and even if you just look at him as the hick from French Lick, a white guy that wasn't you know, a huge dunker and say, well, that would never work in today's NBA. It's stupid because all of his his skill set does. Right. All the things he did great does. This is pretty crazy. Looking at his per
0: game averages, he only averaged one made three per game on five occasions in his career. He usually only took three or four per game on average. Think about
1: that. And he won the three-point contest at least two or three times. Yeah. So he was the best three-point shooter in the game But it was just recently introduced. I think we got the NBA three-pointer sometime in the early 80s. And so he just came into the game when we got the three-pointer. And coaches were like, don't take threes. (laughs) There's no value there. You're Larry Bird. Keep taking twos. Everybody take twos. The mid-range jumper is the ultimate. So, yeah, imagine taking his greatest strength and being like, yeah, you're not allowed to do that either. And still be a three-time MVP. He averaged a double double for the first six seasons of his career. Was that assists or rebounds? Was the rebounds? He was also a great passer. Yeah, too. and at least five assists a year. Yeah, it was crazy. It is a trash Tuesday, so here's some trashes. Doctor Phil Keto is trashing the absurdly awful given names of college baseball players: Cody, Bryce, Jordan, Jacoby, Lance, Chase, Braden, Hayden, and Cade. Trash them. Luke, it's the trash compactor. There is a certain element where college baseball falls into line with, like, lacrosse names, right? They're kind of in that same genre. But I don't I don't necessarily find any of those names offensive.
0: No. But
1: is there one too many Cody's in the
0: world of Braden here that we don't need? I mean, maybe. <laughs> but it's fine. Connors. No Pete's. Not enough Pete's Not anymore. Not enough Pete's. No. Where's the Pete's? Yeah, or George. Where's the Georges? Yeah. There's not enough Georges, for sure.
1: We're light on Georges.
0: We My, are. Heavy on Cades. My biggest complaint now about these young kids is all the hair they've got. Like, mm. it's the new thing to have as much hair yeah. as possible, and for a guy who needs every last strand,
5: it's like they're just taunting me. <sighs> My daughter's a struggling in the hair department. Really? Still light. You know, not thick enough. Taylor sometimes looks like a, you know, our hair, frankly, looks like a goat chewed half of it off. <laughs> Some struggles there.
0: (laughs) Does she look like Scooter, the world's ugliest (laughs) dog?
5: Exactly. It's ponytail or bust, otherwise it's a bad scene. Grady Dick's got
1: big hair.
0: Yeah, and I don't remember that. Did he let it grow post-Kansas? He's got a lot of hair. I thought that was great still. What, Grady Dick's... The the red sequin jacket.
1: I loved it. Loved it. Well, I've got a whole take built around Grady Dick that I never got to because I wasn't on the air the other day.
5: Are you crafting
1: takes in the shower when you're not on the air? Well, it struck me that, as I said, this is the first time in my career since I got hired to do anything that I had more than a week off. I don't think I've ever taken more than a week off. And so I've had time to really look at things and be like, oh, how would I talk about this today? Because I'm actually interested in Grady Dick. I didn't really even know him until he became this kind of social media phenomenon then the draft. It struck me that Grady Dick... Is the first in a new generation of TikTok athletes in that a little bit like Jake Paul, but less because Jake Paul is really a celebrity that became a boxer. There is now going to be this, this March of young people that have perfected social media and branding and this bigger than life personality and crafting this image of themselves and because everybody basically under the age of 22 can probably do this inevitably there's going to be a handful of elite athletes that do it and so Grady Dick comes off as a little bit of a a bit of a buffoon he kind of seems like a clownish like the red sequin outfit for anybody that's over the age of 40 is like what are you doing yet for him and for this next tier of of young people, this is totally normal. This is normalcy. Everybody that he went to high school with probably does this. He just happened to be the five-tool, five-star NBA All-Star. With a silly name. With a silly name, right. So I find this very interesting because we might be, and all of us are old guys, quote-unquote, in this room, Boyle's kind of the closest to being a young guy. We might quickly find ourselves watching sports with a strata of 20-somethings that are a bunch of grady dicks. And we're going to be like, this is a bit uncomfortable because I watch I'm like, what is going on here with this kid? It's like, how much is real? It's a little bit like the Will Levis thing. Was Will Levis really putting mayo in his coffee because he liked it or eating banana peels on the banana? Or did he do it? because he knew it courts attention, it's about followers and traction and things like this, and they're all in this mode where we still believe in this kind of authenticity, be who you are, and you know you don't want to come off as a dope or whatever. These kids are flipping that around, being like, I don't care if I come off as a dope, that's cool, because people pay attention, and I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm trolling them, and they don't know it. So we, guys, old guys in the room, 10 years from now, if we're still doing this, and Mraz doing poop stuff over on the other station, we might be like, whoa, what's going on with these kids?
5: Yeah. Uh, And DA Newsflash, they wear really nice, sleek sweatpants now in offices, so you need Mm. to get behind that too. Mm. The days of fedoras and cigarettes on the airplanes are over, (laughs) pal. Yeah
1: put your scotch away at 11am essentially for a replacement i want to hire humphrey bogart <laughs> I'm I'm a masterpiece theater did the you room. say humpy bogart Who'd you- <laughs> uh yes uh, da we got the next uh, next candidate his name's Humpy Bogart. Oh, perfect. <laughs> and he comes in dressed like Grady Dick. <laughs> Wait a second. No. No. Oh, he's a trick shot guy. Oh. Oh, and he wears a powdered wig and he does trick shots. And he has 2.3 million followers. Hey, guys. I want to be your producer. No, no, no,
5: no. That's actually a great bit. I want to know ultimately who gets hired and what they wore to the interview. Does DA judge everybody in their wardrobe
1: in that interview? <laughs> I have to take notes. One of the guys that came to Bob's bar said to me, You know what? When you guys get into that sweatpant debate, I, I tell my girlfriend, DA's right on the money with this. <laughs> he goes, I feel the same way. Society, society. <laughs> 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 That's right. That's Good right. for him. That's right. Kyle is trashing his supervisor, having him work 12-hour days in 100-plus degree heat. Time to organize a rebellion. Glad to see you got out of the baby bunker for now. Excited to see what you guys have planned for the next couple of weeks. Trash his supervisor. I smell rotten eggs. And ostrich eyes is trashing Moraz slash Shane Morash. For not being able to pronounce Levi. I love the guy, but you can't have your name back. Shane. Go Cowboys. All in good fun. It's the landfill. Overnight in El Paso. Hashtag when is his last day. You mispronounced. I think it's a joke. You mispronounced Levi? Uh, Maybe I said Levy
5: instead. Okay. I mean, potato, potato. I mean, what are you going to do? It doesn't matter. I just spent 10 years with people not being able to pronounce my name and it turned into a nickname. Get over it.
1: Okay. When we come back, we wrap up fatherhood of the movies with a painful conclusion to a series that never got off the ground. DA, CBS Sports Radio.
2: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
1: Rule tape. Wait a
5: minute. Why do you want that beer so bad? Because he's thirsty.
2: Dumbie. Too many troublemakers here. Too many uh, 40-year-old adolescents, felons, power drinkers, and trustees of modern chemistry. Now answer my question.
1: Were you rushing or were you dragging?
2: Answer! From the minds that brought you mothership at the movies, he's bleary-eyed, he's mixing formula, and he's sifting through the Roku channel at 4 a.m. Now's the time. We present Fatherhood at the Movies. It was a good day yesterday. look like eight... a dad who lost his kid at Coachella. Thanks for that. I appreciate
1: it. It was a good day yesterday. AJ was sleeping for... Two, two and a half hours on his own, and gas has dissipated. This is an important part of things. Wow. The gas was keeping him up. He was kind of fussy. The volume of baby farts is unreal. They're louder than adult farts. I just can't believe it. Just huge bombs. I mean, you live in a different world, but yes. I couldn't believe it. So it was a good day, so I'm no longer having to watch these movies in the middle of the night. But here's what the list looked like. I, I watched 14 films in the first 12 days of fatherhood. The worst was Ideal Home with Paul Rudd. Then the sci-fi thriller 65, is in 65 million years ago. Smokey and the Bandit at number 12, disappointing to me. Stan and Ollie about Laurel and Hardy at 11. Elvis at number 10. King of Staten Island at number 9. Hall Pass at number 8. Air about Michael Jordan and Nike at number 7. Pop Star with Andy Samberg and the Lonely Island crew at number 6. Solo, a Star Wars film at number 5 in Detroit Rock City. And Edward Furlong throwback to the Kiss era in the 70s was number 4. Number three, we go to the top three. Number three was the comedy You People, following a new couple in their families who find themselves examining modern love and family dynamics amidst clashing cultures, societal expectations, and generational differences. Doesn't sound funny. I found this incredibly enjoyable. Now, the cast is awesome. First of all, Julia Louis Dreyfus plays the mother of the groom. And Eddie Murphy plays the father of the bride. Now, you pit Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Eddie Murphy in a movie together and antagonistically against one another in the film, and I'm all in because they're just brilliant comedians. But I thought they also played their roles incredibly well and were such... They were bellwethers for the comedy. And I thought the message is really interesting. I like Jonah Hill. I don't know if I love Jonah Hill But the message being that when you get two families from different parts of society, we are taught in 2023, everyone come together, everyone unified, don't have any preconceived, you know, uh, judgments. And the reality is people come in with all of that. And it's not always pretty. And it doesn't end with a nice, tidy, we love each other. There's A lot of difficulty that goes into it and I think also this message of when you get two people together and their families are different it's hard on the couple and that doesn't mean you always come from different cultures or different ethnicities that's just in general dealing with in-laws is hard it's just always hard to deal with somebody else's family so I thought this was a really funny film I gave it 4.25 4.25 oinks.
5: I love this movie. And you also like this. I, this might have been a five oinker for me. Five? Like, I don't want to live in the moment. Now, but that's a perfect score. I, well, here's what I'll say. Enough time has passed since I saw this movie. I saw it like one of the first nights it came out on Netflix. So much so that I don't even have Netflix because I can't share my mother-in-law's account anymore. Uh-huh. This to me is as close to a perfect the comedy as it's coming out in the last five years for sure. And I actually think if we weren't in the streaming Netflix world and this had real theater buzz, would have rivaled like old school wedding crashers, super bad, that kind of when era. When you go
1: to the theater and When watch you go
5: it. to the theater and look, did you go see this movie? Did you go see it? Not, not that people don't go see movies, but because it was on Netflix, I think people don't realize how good it was. It is that caliber of comedy to me.
1: It's excellent. The writing's really funny. Jonah Hill's really, really good in it. And again, Julie Louis-Dreyfus and Eddie Murphy are all-time icons. So I really liked it. Number two, Whiplash. I'm surprised I never saw this film. This is a few years old now. This is about eight years old or so. A promising young drummer enrolls at a cutthroat music conservatory where his dreams of greatness are mentored by an instructor who will stop at nothing to realize a student's potential. Miles Teller is Absolutely phenomenal in this as the student. J.K. Simmons is next level as the teacher. And it poses this amazing question. The acting is phenomenal. It's so simple. I love that it was so simple that the core of the question just pounded you over the head. What creates greatness? Is it the student that cares so desperately to become great like Miles Teller? Or is it the coach, if you're a sports fan, it fits perfectly into this narrative. Is it the coach that manipulates you or pushes you in unethical ways to drive you crazy looking for approval that creates the greatness? And there's this conversation towards the end where you, you are astounded at the manipulation. You are in awe of how cutthroat they are against one another. And they really don't care. You think about each other's well-being. And yet they have this conversation of what creates greatness. And can J.K. Simmons go too far by some of his traits pushing somebody who potentially could be great away? That it's just not worth it. That Miles Teller would say, I'm not into this. I'm out of here. Or is Miles Teller predestined to be great, and so thus, any way you can get it out, it's all validated. I I found this so interesting. It's so good. It's so powerful. It's so intimidating at times. It's palpable in the energy, and I can't believe I haven't seen this before, but I think, Bogues, you said you love this movie as well. Great movie. Whiplash is an incredible, incredible flick. I give it four and a half points
0: love it it's just it's a movie it's a good movie an idea we can all kind of relate to the performances are great there's a four dimension in there so you got you already
5: got me hooked in love that movie or as you see this no in fact i thought whiplash was the movie where juno plays the roller derby girl <laughs> i totally had this wrong
4: <laughs> you were nodding your head though you've seen this i've boy. seen whiplash J.K. Simmons is phenomenal. He is intimidating. they're not quite my tempo and over and over again, screaming at him. Yeah. Again! Yeah. Again! It's great. And it's, you, like I, I wanted, like, I was at so many points in the movie, I was like, is Miles Teller going to break here? Is he right. going to break down?
1: Yep. It's an incredible flick. Finally, the best movie that I saw, maybe disappointing to some because it'll be too cliche, but it was an 80s movie. Mm-hmm. Merez hangs his head. Roadhouse starring Patrick Swayze. A tough bouncer hired to tame a dirty bar. And this might be
5: deflating for some. And we did this whole bit to get to Roadhouse. I know. But I'm
1: going to tell you this. Roadhouse has so many amazing levels that I was blown away as I watched it because we all know Roadhouse. It's tough guy Patrick Swayze cleaning up a bar. We've seen the clips. We know it. Roadhouse is a next level film because number one, Roadhouse is actually the last modern Western. We make Westerns all the time about cowboys and out of the prairie, the frontier. This is a last ditch bar two hours south of Kansas City, middle of nowhere, and it pits the guy trying to, quote, clean up the town in a lawless place against the local big-wig money guy that law doesn't apply to him. So this is a great Western, a frontier film, but set in modern day. Also, the easy play here is that Patrick Swayze goes. He pounds some heads. He throws them out of the bar. He cleans up t- the town. That's not the framing. Patrick Swayze is not just a tough guy. Patrick Swayze is about peace. Patrick Swayze goes into a bar, sees all this bad stuff happening, and says, "We don't. We're not fighters. No violence here. You have to kill them with kindness. You have to keep telling them." nice things be complimentary until you have to fight. And I think this is just an amazing code to live by that you don't go looking for violence and Swayze is the ultimate tough guy. Instead it's about peace, it's about peace, it's about peace until you have to do something in which case then you take care of your business. On top of it, how does Swayze get there? It's through a Buddhist mindset. We see Swayze who's out in a field doing zen-like exercises. He's conjuring up this meditation, of the zen. And kind of like as I'm seeing Mraz shake his head disappointed, I'm going to be Swayze here. I'm not going to get mad. This is stuff that clearly went over your head, and it's something no. that I think makes it a beautiful film. It pits all of these different things that you think it should be, but it's not. It's not any of those things. And if you're a simpleton, perhaps oh. a peanut brain type of person oh, uh, that, right. that might soil himself, maybe you might not see it. But in, <laughs> in my case, I was in awe of the storytelling, no. the background, the context. Sam Elliott comes in as kind of a mystical figure. You don't know what his background is. They have these really intense conversations around the diner. I just thought Roadhouse is pegged as a two dimensional film. It's actually a three to four dimensional film. And I just thought, incredible. And Patrick Swayze is so good. He is just a master at the craft. Roadhouse, boom, not a perfect film, 475, but the best film that I watched. <coughs>
5: I almost hate that we've wedged this in here with 20 minutes left in the show. Roadhouse, I extremely, extremely like. I, I this is not a knock on Roadhouse the movie. It's a knock on you mm. in your rambling for the last five minutes about how multi-dimensional the movie is. You talked about it being set in modern day. The movie came out 35 years ago.
1: Yeah,
5: I mean that's not. Maybe that's modern day for you. That's not modern well, day. Number one, compared to <laughs> a classic western. Number two. Maybe your wife was onto something with this bit because I thought it was going well. I thought we were steamrolling. We gave you a, pa- a pass for Smokey and the Bear uh, three weeks ago, and we did that. The Smokey and the Bandit. We did this whole thing to get up to number one, and your number one movie in w- and, and a, and a bit that was supposed to be you catching up on what you missed was a movie from 89?
1: Well, I got news for you. It's my show. These are the <laughs> movies that I saw, ah. and this is the take on the movies that I saw. I love the movie. I'm not going to gonna take... manipulate how I felt about the movies to make for a better segment for you bozos. These were the films as I ranked them and what I saw in them. I, I mean, I cannot argue. That's inarguable. That's your plan.
0: <laughs> and you watch them organically. You didn't, we didn't give you these however many to and then say, please rank them. You just stumbled upon them. But it is, it's an odd payoff over like, I don't know, 14 days, 6 shows, multiple countdowns. You're not listening. La- no, no,
1: no, no, I'm I, I'm listening. Roadhouse was not the film I thought it was.
0: I know, I know,
4: but it's a 3D or even a 4D movie. I'm Thank here. you, Pat. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's what I'm a- saying. Yeah,
0: they're playing chess, others are playing checkers. That's what I'm I said. That's in the mail. But I don't even know if Roadhouse's creators would ever pitch it the way you've just pitched it.
4: I think they would. <laughs> headlines. All right, we got to go quick here. I got a name for Dr. Phil Keto, who's upset with the college baseball names. LSU starter last night, Thatcher Hurd. Oh, he gave up a two-run home run in the first that's inning. That's a good Thatcher.
1: millennial name.
4: Yeah, Thatcher. Thatcher Hurd. Gave up a two-run home run in the first inning, then proceeded to retire 18 of the next 21 batters. And along the way, LSU's bats strung together a record 24 hits in the Men's College World Series for a dominant 18-4 to win. They are the national champions for the seventh time in program history. Uh, had some sound from Dylan Cruz. He went four for six with an RBI and three runs scored. He won the NCAA Golden Spikes Award. That's the nation's best player. Finished top five in the country in most major offensive categories. He will be the number one pick in the draft next month. You could book that.
0: Mm, it's debatable still. You think? I was just reading yesterday because of the Pirates... Don't necessarily want to pay him what his the oh. slot is, so he's saying I'm not going to go there.
4: Oh. All right, then the Pirates can continue to suck for yeah. another 15 years. Yep. <laughs> uh, by the way, I have for the it. final number from Rocco's Pizza College <laughs> World Series Jello Shot Challenge. Okay. LSU fans bought 68,888 Jello oh, shots, five dollars to pop. And you know what the previous record was? 18,000 oh. plus by Ole Miss, so they broke wow. it by 50,000.
1: You think they like drinking in LSU? Yeah, I would Louisiana? like to go down
4: there and see what's see what's popping around. They wanted Love to trip. buy you a Jello shot. That's oh. a good one. I like that one. Pete, I think Pete was about to hit it, but uh, NHL awards were last night. Conor... It's not
2: funny. Oh wow!
4: I thought Pete was going to let it slide. All right, real quick. Connor B- left early like Jack Stern. Wait,
0: So the quick math—that's like three hundred and forty-five thousand dollars for charity. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs>
4: Yeah, there was I forget Dylan Graves. I don't know if I have that name right. Somebody, there was two guys' names that bought like together. The two of them had bought just fifteen thousand, and I think that was the the last weekend that that happened. Wow. Oh, yeah, Connor McDavid third Hart Trophy as the NHL MVP last night. Linus Ulmark wins the Vesna for best goaltender. Anje Kopitar wins the Lady Bing because he's just such a nice guy. Um, and then really quick, I like, do. <laughs> nah, we don't have time for it. Jim Montgomery won the Jack Adams Award for Coach of the Year, but he basically talked about how he. Got fired from his previous. I think he was with the Sharks, because um, he struggled with alcohol addiction. Yeah. So that was three yep. and a half years ago, and he basically talked about how yeah. the Bruins and the, being a team and so family oriented helped him overcome that. So pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, baseball. Mariners beat the Nats eight to four. Spencer Strider in his tight pants struck out ten batters <laughs> over seven innings. <laughs> Marcel Ozuna had a home run. Ronald Acuna with a two run bomb in the bottom of the seventh. Braves beat the Twins four one. Uh, and contrary to what Brian Kenny said, the O's don't show any signs of slowing down. They pounded the Reds 10-3 last night. And uh, we talked about the John Collins trade to the Utah Jazz, Atlanta getting back Rudy Gay, who Sean didn't uh, know was still in the league, and a future second-round pick. <laughs> and then, again, Brock Purdy, uh, next step of his throwing plan, he's going to throw in front of a quarterback coach and an orthopedic specialist, which, I mean, what are they going to see? His army that feels good or it doesn't? <laughs> what is the orthopedic specialist going to be like, hey, Brock, you know, your elbow dropped a little bit there. I'm a little concerned for you. I
5: don't think they're going to see you seeing Pete give you the
4: brakes. <laughs> just, I have the, the jack plugged all the way in, Pete. I can hear if you talk to me now. Well, how about you look at the clock? It's a new concept, the clock. Oh, sorry, D.A. went on about Roadhouse for seven minutes. <laughs> in show. All right, when we come back, here
1: on the show. Your epic fail, D.A., CBS Sports Radio. Even the D.A. show is not
2: perfect. We know. Shocking.
1: Here's the epic feel. So what will Moraz bring to his new destination? When the post says that, it's like some personality. Well, if you want Moraz's personality, like, the best thing he does is says and does things nobody else would ever admit to. Huh? We've all said this. When he soiled his pants, if any of us did it, which we wouldn't because we're adult men. Correct. We would certainly not admit it. Just a hunch here going up the butt. I'm sorry, up the gut. Mm-mm. Nor run to the bathroom in some type of zany Bugs Bunny hair on fire situation. Correct. And then come back, bend over, to look, be like, look at what happened! <laughs> <laughs> look at what happened! <laughs> Again! Again! <laughs> so,
5: DA, I, I got to run real one second. I got an oopsie.
1: The sum... Well, you don't just plot Mraz in there, get his take on the Giants' running back situation, then be like, "Oh, well, let's get some of the poop stuff," you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: Like that's
1: its own huge mushroom cloud. Clarify. Let's clarify the red, white, and blue team.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Ah, sorry. Right. You're right. Yeah. A it's quarterback also- that rhymes with bones. Give your take on that, and then do a fourth sound. That's what they're looking for.
1: Right? <laughs> he threw for three hundred yards. <laughs> <laughs> But the fuck, It's Ebony Tiki. With, <laughs> well, that's a little bit of personality right there. That's yeah. that's some. You can bring that anecdote to the air, and then that's not necessarily the poop stuff. Yeah. What does that mean? I got an
5: oopsie. Well, you really? <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm leaving here with a legacy of being the poop guy. Yeah. Which again. <laughs> well,
1: what? If I the poop fits. <laughs> as always, as why am I the poop guy? <laughs> well, because 65 percent of the crazy things you do have involved right. that. Well, I mean, we might play back some clips over the next three weeks. How many of them are going to be poop-related? I don't know. Too many. His bowels in check during PGP? <laughs> We're going to have a
2: whole montage. gonna Yeah. Count I'm, not,
1: I'm not sure of the raw number, but it definitely falls under
3: too many of them.
2: <laughs> the raw
1: number. What's <laughs> the raw data set? 45th sense. percentile.
3: <laughs> Epic fail, you loser.
2: Yeah is why you fail. fail.
1: Neatly folds into the question of the morning. Should Mraz limit that, quote, poop stuff in the new job? 56% of you say, yes! (laughs) (laughs) Potty training was tricky for Bob the Deadly Man. He once forgot Mraz's sister on the bold or the 1994 Grammys. (laughs) 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 Nancy found her fast out with her head on the hamper when she got home at 11 p.m.
0: While well, your dad was watching what Chili Peppers The true story.
5: You're cold on for tomorrow.
1: I'm going to save the other two for tomorrow's show because this is so good. Thanks to Sean Moraes, executive producer, Pete the Body Willotty on the Wheels of Steel, Andrew Bogish, Pat Boyle on Headlines, and Kevin Wall on the simulcast. Be good. Be good to one another. We'll see you tomorrow. The Mothership Disconnect.
2: Okay.